Welcome to the CMU Now Podcast Special Edition. I'm Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam. We are excited to have this community leader on our show today, Grand Junction Police Department Chief Doug Shoemaker. Colorado Mesa University and GJPD have a good and long-standing relationship. We have officers stationed on our campus, we've worked collaboratively on addressing policing challenges within our community, and CMU's Community College Division, Western Colorado Community College, has a police academy, which many of the postgraduates now work at GJPD. We have a lot to cover today, so let's dive right in. David? Well, speaking of diving right in, I want to talk to you directly about law enforcement in relation to our community and appreciate you being on with us. So um, I want to ask you if my assumption is true and then uh, if my assumption is true, why it is that it seems like we have a lot of support for law enforcement in this community in particular at a time when maybe that is uncertain in other places. And if it is true that in our community there is widespread support for law enforcement. Why is that? And, and what has your contribution or your, your agency's contribution been to that, creating that support, culture support? Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I think uh, there's, there are really a, a variety of answers to that, those questions. Um, you know, well before I got here, I, I think, quite frankly, there was um, a culture that was instilled within our agency. I certainly can't speak to other agencies, but knowing mine as I do, um, there was a culture that was instilled to to take, obviously, the oath of, of policing very seriously. And I, I think that goes back, certainly, to Chief Camper, who preceded me um, and led into my time here as, as police chief. With that comes a community that has been very, very supportive of law enforcement, and, and we've seen that through, certainly, my time here and well before. Why that is, I, I don't know. I think it's because, probably, if I were to guess, the trust building has taken place over the course of years, and, and that doesn't happen overnight. You don't build trust in a community with a project or an initiative. Uh, That's not how that works. It takes many times years of of practice and it's kind of like a, we'll call it a piggy bank almost. And you keep making these deposits, these positive deposits in this piggy bank to build that trust, that equity up with the community. And that's not something you want to lose. So we take it really seriously. Um, But I credit the women and men that I work with, quite frankly, and then they work very, very hard to go out and do the right thing for the right reasons. And that shows. And I, I think the community appreciates that. Piggy banks. Right, Caitlin? (laughs) I like that. That's (laughs) a good metaphor. It's appropriate and makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, you know, the relationship between the community and the police department, I think probably also shows hopefully in your recruiting efforts. So I know that GJPD has a notoriously high hiring standard, and this has been talked about, you know, in length, even with national shortages happening, you know, you all are not willing to compromise on the quality of individuals that you're hiring. And so I'm wondering how you do that through a national shortage. How do you you know, continue hiring great people onto your team. And I'm wondering if the WCCC Post Academy plays into that or has a role in that. Well, we're blessed in that we have a very high quality academy in WCPOA locally. Um, it's in our backyard and uh, there's been great direction and leadership with that academy and support, obviously, from the university. So having it here and having a great criminal justice program on campus on top of it really lead to great things for us. Um, I go back to culture, quite frankly, in terms of recruiting. And uh, I think we struggled for a little bit in terms of the number of people we were getting applications from. Um, and you're right. We don't want to sacrifice the quality of an applicant just to fill a position. Because I think we've seen in policing, admittedly, where agencies hire people they shouldn't hire. 
and bad things happen. I mean, those people shouldn't be police officers. And that's something we want to avoid at all costs here. We took a different approach to recruiting a few years ago. And um, Heidi Davidson, our community outreach coordinator, uh, was really at the center of that. And we, we wanted to create a, a way to tell our story better for the people that wanted to be police officers or members, uh, family members, really, if you will, of our agency. And, and I think the recruiting video that was created really showed not only what it's like to be a police officer beyond the typical recruiting video of the SWAT trucks and all the action type stuff. That's, that's, we went the opposite direction. We went with a, what's it like to be here in the Grand Valley and be an officer for our agency? And, and what's that mean to you as a person, as an individual? And so we took that in another step and we really tried to individualize the recruiting process too, where we would have individual uh, touch points throughout that process that really seemed to resonate with the people that applied here that they didn't get in other places. And so I think that's traveled and, and consistently for, for the past, I don't know how many recruiting sessions we've had the last, well, since the video, uh, we've had over 300 applicants for sponsorship, which is incredible, really, when we look at that shortage, which is nationwide. And I deal with um, the uh, International Association Chiefs of Police on a number of things and image and brand and recruiting. And, and I, I, I'm a committee chair f uh, for IACP. And I've, I deal with agencies all the time that have that shortage and they're scrambling just to fill numbers. And that's not a position we want to be in. So going back to your first question, that, that trust bank, I think has played a big part in it. And people want to, at the end of the day, people want to belong to an agency where they feel like they're more than just a number and they feel like they can be a difference maker and they feel like their voice is going to be heard. And I think that's what we offer. And I was going to say, I can speak to that. I've actually seen that video and it is, it really touches at your heartstrings. Like for me, you know, being a police officer is nothing I think I would be good at. And so, you know, I'm going to stay in marketing here at the university. Um, but watching that video, I mean, it did, it pulled at your heartstrings and it made you, I think, proud to be a part of this community. And um, I think it speaks to all those points that you just talked about. It's a great video. And it, it you know, the, the, the beauty of the video is it's our people our employees are the stars of the video, if you will, and their stories, their, their compassion, um, their smiles come through with that video. And I think that really resonates with a lot of people in terms of what they're looking for in something beyond just a career. And so I, I think we've been really successful at that. We, we're not resting. You know, we never want to sit back and go check that box. We got that done. So we're always looking for other ways to improve. But that said, I, I definitely think that video and, and the approach overall, which includes the video, has um, been a successful thing for us. Well, and the values and the ethic that you described that's contained within that, that video and the culture you're creating, uh, I, su I suppose that the relationship you have with POST, the, the academy, you're able to bring that to our students through your relationships there with the, the, the people from your team who are teaching there um, and the guest lectures and those kinds of things. And so in some ways you're able to early on um, influence future um, law enforcement officials who may, may or may not come work for you, but ultimately are going to either help enhance your culture or wherever they end up. And that's part of, it seems like that might be part of the special relationship between your agency and our academy or is that is that right? Is that That's accurate? Spot on right. Yeah, okay. you're, 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 you bring up a great point, actually, in that our instructors, along with other instructors from area law enforcement agencies and the district attorney's office, assist primarily as the instructors for the academy in its entirety. So our patrol officers, no matter what function they may serve, or me, I go in on the first day and I have the very first hour of instruction with them to talk about, you know, the policing challenge and what we're dealing with today and how you can be the best you can be. So the I first the, hour, literally the first the, hour, the very, after the first orientation hour, I'm the first one in. Is that, is that normal for somebody of your rank and position 
to, for the students to get that kind of exposure that early on in their training? Is that something, or is that something relatively unique maybe to the, this relationship we have here? I don't know that it is uh, normal at all. I think it is unique. And the sheriff comes in on the second day. And, and of course, the district attorney does a lot of case law uh, throughout his time with the students. But I, I do think it's a unique opportunity. And it does allow us to impact those folks that are going through the academy, whether or not they're our employees. So what we want is to create a generation of positive capable, ethical law enforcement officers. And whether or not they work for us really, quite frankly, is irrelevant. Um, we all want the profession to be better. So the more we can do to influence that and, and try and kind of really insert our values and, and how we stand on things and the type of policing that we think is good policing, which I think we have track record of showing, um, I think that just makes us better overall. So it is a great relationship. And we've, we've hired people uh, from the academy that have gone through that we didn't initially sponsor, but we do have time to look at them and watch them develop and grow throughout. And there are people sometimes that maybe just wouldn't be a good fit for us. But there are some people that certainly have, uh, that are, and we've hired them and brought them on board and they've been very successful. So you talked a little bit earlier about, I think, some of the national and international organizations that you're a part of. And I think that's a really important part, considering that we're here in rural Western Colorado and people may not realize that. And I'm wondering if, you know, our post-academy students and if they do matriculate and become cadets within GJPD, does that influence their experience at all? Or how do you think that kind of ties in? Because I think that's a really unique aspect that we have, you know, a police chief that is involved on the national and international stage. It's a little different than I think what what the art agency is used to on that stage. Um, and it doesn't make, you know, previous chiefs, it doesn't make anybody better or worse. It just makes it different. And so I bring a, a unique flavor, I suppose, to that. Um, my time in Missouri, my almost 20, 27 years in Missouri in the state capitol, I think were unique, certainly to this agency. And my experiences and my perspectives gained from that time was different than anybody that had brought come to the table before here. Um, and I think there's value to that. I do think there's value to... Um, belonging to the International Police Chiefs or the Colorado Police Chiefs or Noble, which is the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, of which I'm a member, uh, NOLI, uh, which is a National uh, Alliance of Women Law Enforcement Executives. We, we love acronyms in this job, right? Um, but I, I think that perspective and that experience of working collaboratively, I think, does us it provides it provides new ways of doing things and new ideas that maybe we hadn't considered before. And so hopefully we're fostering that relationship to say, you know, maybe we don't do everything the best we can, but let's reexamine things and see how we can continue to move forward. And I will tell you, this agency is very, very good at that, at looking at ways to improve and embracing that in a lot of ways. Whereas some organizations that I've dealt with, um, and I teach for Northwestern University uh, for the School of Police Staff and Command. So, I, I mean, I've from Baltimore to Sacramento and everything in between. I've taught police leaders. And I would tell you, I've seen so many organizations and, and this one is pretty unique in that um, there's a willingness to try something a little different. I like that you bring that national and 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 wide that, that experience here to our local community. And I like even more what you described earlier that um, you know local would-be law enforcement uh, officers that might apply to the academy get that first hour with you, and I think it speaks volumes to the the culture you're creating, and and oftentimes I think people if they don't know anything about law enforcement, and I'm I'm kind of one of those people, you associate it with what you see on the street, um, but there's so much more that you can do within your agency than just um, you know 
pulling people over for a routine traffic stop is, is sort of the caricature that people might have of, of law enforcement that you can do. You have a canine unit, you have a SWAT team, you have a forensic investigation, you have all these the, the, the huge diversity of career opportunities in your agency. And I wonder, I, I named a couple off the top of my head. Are there more? And can you dive into what what a dynamic career law enforcement truly can be for people that might be thinking of applying to, to, to the post Academy. Sure. Well, it's funny you'd use the word more because actually in our video, the word more is repeated over and over again. I wanted more out of my, the video itself centers around um, a female police officer, presumably working somewhere else where she's tired of where she is. And she wants more out of her career, more out of her life, more out of her experience. And so I do think we have that more uh, capacity locally and that we have a number of specialized units. We have a full crime lab. We have, I mean, we are the Grand Junction Regional Communication Center is under my command and under our department. And we service 24 agencies. Uh, law and fire across the valley. Um, we have t- uh, canine officers. We have a traffic unit. We have SWAT. We have, um, it, it goes on and on and on. So it's, it's exciting to be able to not only quote unquote, just be a police officer, but be a police officer who can diversify your talents as time goes on and you learn the job. And so I think that's a draw. It's very attractive to those of us that want to do beyond, um, you know, patrol and, and certainly patrol is the heart of everything we do, but the chances down the road to do something else as your desires expand into those roles, um, investigations, narcotics, street crimes, those types of things really all exist there and undercover. Yeah, everything. And so we're the largest agency between Salt Lake and Denver on I-70. We're it. And so we're on an island a little bit and we have to be a full, so we have a full bomb team and we respond all over the Western Slope and into Utah, down even to Durango. We do work with the X Games when they go into Aspen. So um, we have a lot of functions here and that demand is necessary because we can't wait for others to do it for us. And, and I think the community embraces that. And I think that's why there's that support. Great. So switching gears just a little bit, um, it was recently just International Women's Day. And I know I love getting to hear all of the stories and see the photos, you know, across social media of all these inspiring stories of women. So, you know, I think quite often when I look at, you know, a police academy or the police department force, you know, I think you sometimes think of males, but I'd be curious if you have any kind of inspiring, maybe women's stories of your different police officers. You know, we have fantastic employees across the board, regardless of gender. Um, We were able to, uh, in our last, not the current academy class, but the previous half of our recruits were female. Um, That's interesting to know, because that's a surprising... Say that stat again. Uh, last, our last academy class, not this one that we're currently in at WCPOA, but the previous academy class, half of our recruits that we hired uh, are women. They're currently all in field training right now in their second phase of work. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think the point is it's opportunity and it's, it's, and it's, it's an exciting time really to be, to get into this job in law enforcement. And I, I think people all have their own desire as to why, what's their why of getting into law enforcement. So to hear different stories, whether it's a male applicant or a female applicant, um, we just want the best officers we can get. And, and I do think the way we recruit and how we recruit and how we treat our employees like family, I think is a big draw for everyone. So that's, it's been exciting. And we, you know, we re- actually 
Commander Friedenberger, uh, recently promoted to the position of commander. She is over our CMU policing unit now. Um, and so Suzette's been a great addition to that management team. Um, and we've we've reinstalled the position of corporals for a while. That was, was sort of a, their role was a little different. Were they field training officers? Were they supervisors? And so we've kind of pushed them forward to be supervisors. And so we look forward to opportunities to increase, um, you know, everybody within the organization in terms of their desire to, to move up the ranks a little bit. And I think that's been helpful for us. I wanted him to repeat that stat because Caitlin, I was just thinking about the fact that if you had, um, you know, uh, would be female applicants to the post Academy, knowing that half of the recent hires were females, it would be an inspiration to move forward, knowing that you value that, that gender diversity on your, in your, in your force and that Absolutely. it's important. And yeah, it's why right. is it important to have gender diversity on a police force? Because it, it brings a different variety of, of, of mindsets and, and approaches to things. And, and sometimes, you know, um, I can only talk from my experiences as, as a, a male, um, how I approach things may be different than another male, but it, it may be very different than what Suzette might bring up. For example, Commander Friedenberger may bring up. And so I think the more uh, we have in terms of diversity of opinion and background and perspective, I think the more successful we're going to be because not every problem is the same. No problem in law enforcement from day to day is ever the same. There's, there are no two days that are ever like in this job. Never have been, never will be. So the more uh, varied approaches and experiences and backgrounds you can bring to the table to problem solve whatever you're dealing with, the more effective you are as an organization. Mm-hmm. That's great. So before we let you go today, I would like to hear maybe you've, you know, been in the police force now for, I think you said over 30 years or around 30 years now. So I'm sure you've had a lot of experiences throughout those 30 years. So is there any stories that you could talk to us about today that were either, you know, heartwarming for you, that were really hard for you, that were amazing and beautiful and wonderful? I was just hoping maybe you could share a personal experience with with our listeners. Well, I'll share the experience that I give the academy students. and I, and I always talk about this one because I think it's, it's something that's very close to my heart personally in that, um, you know, I, I want to tell them when they get into this job, they need to understand that they need to stick to their, to their reasons and never forget where you came from. Um, and understand that at the core of what we do, we affect people's lives, uh, many times on their absolute worst day. People don't call 911 because they've just won $300 in the lottery, Right. Um, they call us because they've experienced they're in a, in a car crash. Uh, their home has been burglarized. They've lost a loved one uh, to suicide. I mean, it, it runs the gamut. So they call on us to respond and deal with that. And, and so for me, I, I look back to a time when I was a recruit off, well, rookie officer, not a recruit, but a rookie officer. And I was on my own for a short amount of time. And I had a fantastic sergeant. His name was Chuck Demmel. And, and, and Sergeant Demmel was always very, um, a compassionate leader. Great guy. And he said, uh, I need you to go to, do, to deliver a death notification. And I, I'll admit, I, I don't think I've ever been that scared probably in my career. And, and I'm talking, including things of shot at or guns pulled on you, things like that. I, I think this moment terrified me because I didn't know, you know, they don't train you how to do that. There's, there's, there's really not a lot of training on how to properly do a death notification because each, each incident is so different and how you approach it and who you're dealing with. There's no cookie cutter way. So I was scared. Um, then I went and, and did it. And, um, I recall the address and I recall her name and I recall when it was and showed up and was terrified sitting in my car thinking, how am I going to do this? What if I screw it up? What if I say something wrong? I, I don't know. So I went in and I 
and I, and I told her that her daughter had passed away in a car crash. And so I stayed with her for a few hours um, while a family member came. And then it came time where once that happened, then I could leave and we had calls stacked up. So I had to go and which was, it felt very cold to me to go to the next call, go to the next call. Cause I wasn't processing things. Right. Um, but she was thankful and it was this difficult moment with her and me. And we just talked through things. She showed me pictures and all that good sort of stuff. Um, and then a month later, the chief gets a letter in the mail from her kind of explaining that she appreciated the fact that I'd taken the time to sit with her and go through all that. And that one paper, I think to me was more valuable than any medal I've received was it was, it was, it was 10 times better than any chief's commendation. And so to me, that's the summary of what we do. We affect people. Um, and we affect them at their very core. And if you forget that, then you've kind of lost your way in this job. But don't forget those little victories, those things where you actually have an impact on people's lives during their absolute worst moment. So for me, that's the moment. And I remember it like it was yesterday. When you're in the post-academy and those cadets are are getting that first hour and you're relaying that story to them um, over at the community college, what is the reaction that you get? How do they respond? And is it... And, and then does it get easier over time to, to deal with those sorts of things in, in the profession? And uh, Easier, no. Um, you know, every death is somebody's child, somebody's mother, somebody's father, um, regardless of the circumstances, regard whether they were a suspect or a victim. It doesn't matter. It's a loss of life. And so those, the reality of that is something we have to constantly keep in our minds and, and understand that that impacts people. And, um, so no, it never gets easier. Um, do you learn things from, and do you improve on how you do it delivery or understanding things as you grow? Sure. We all do. And and that's just a human nature, but I do think it resonates, at least I hope it resonates. And our recruits seem to remember those moments. Um, and remember that moment when I talk to them about it, because I think it talks about the relational policing that we believe in here and that we need to be better as, uh, as, as a policing profession across the country. And, and so many people do such a great job at it, um, but we still just need to keep that in, in, in the center focus, that what we're dealing with here are people and their lives, and we can really truly make a difference in that. And no matter how small that may seem to you at the time, how routine it might be to you, um, it's never routine to them. And so I think we have to keep that at, 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 uh, at the head of what we do. I like that. Do we have time for one more question, Caitlin? Sure. I, one more, David, go well, ahead. <laughs> so I was just thinking about if we had listeners out there that were contemplating a career in law enforcement or thinking about um, signing up for the Post Academy and you were going to tell them why they should pursue uh, a career in law enforcement, what would that sound like? Well, we have a lot of ways to get involved with who we are and what we do. And I think you need to carefully weigh why you want to do it. Um, I think you need to have reasonable expectations because it is a difficult job and it's difficult now more so than ever. Um, public pressure, um, national narrative, um, all these things will weigh on you. I mean, I personally admittedly deal with a lot of this psychologically and it's difficult. It's fully, it's, I fully admit it's difficult, but the positives outweigh the negatives and the ability to impact people on a, on a, on a level that you never thought before, um, is there at your fingertips. 
And, and so I think people wanting to get involved with us or learn more about us through a Citizens Police Academy, which will start up in the fall again, through volunteer work, which we have a lot of volunteers and some of our volunteers um, have become police officers. Um, we've had our Parks Patrol folks that, that uh, kind of deal with parking downtown and, and our visual piece downtown a little bit. Uh, we have, you know, people going through the academy for that um, and they're going to be police officers. So I, I think it, if you have a servant's heart and you want to do something, um, that you're not going to get paid as much as you need to get paid for. You're not, um, you're going to work weird hours. You're going to miss family events. You're going to, all those things are just the reality of what we do, but you'll know when you join this job in that one moment, that one singular moment that what you've done has made a difference and that will make the career because not a lot of careers can say that. And we do. I think that's a great way to to end the show today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time and coming down and chatting with us a little bit about Grand Junction Police Department and our WCCC Post Academy. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for the partnership. We, we love being here and appreciate all you do here at CMU. Great. Well, thank you for joining us today for this special edition of the CMU Now podcast with Grand Junction Police Chief Doug Shoemaker. Check out our other CMU Now podcasts at coloradomesa.edu forward slash now, or check us out on Spotify by searching for Colorado Mesa University.